For Cybercrime Radio, I'm Paul John Spaulding, GM of production at Cybercrime Magazine. Joining me today is Shane Sims, CEO of Kivu, which offers strategic guidance and fully managed 24 by 7 cybersecurity threat monitoring. Learn more about our sponsor at kivuconsulting.com. Shane, thank you so much for joining me today. Happy to be here. Shane, before we started recording, you had told me that this was the summer of casino cyber heists. Can you break that down for our listeners and also talk a bit about the MGM and Caesars hacks and anything else you want to share? But before you do that, I will just add that this morning I was reading our news feed and Jake's 58, which is a casino on Long Island, remains closed after a, quote, cybersecurity event. So it's still happening, even though we're in the fall season now. But maybe you could just share a bit about what you meant when we were talking before we hit record here. It was a busy summer in the world of cybercrime, no doubt about it. And we did see some new trends surface in certain sectors, and you're naming one here. When I go back to the beginning of the summer, there was a big uptick in victims that were uh, using cloud application called MoveIt, which is a file transfer app. Once that became public that there was a vulnerability there, we had our first MoveIt case within 24 hours. And we've had cases from victim organizations from across the globe. And the stats on that whole situation are pretty mind-boggling right now. I think there's around 2,300 organizations that have been compromised as a result of that vulnerability, impacting something like, I think it's 68 million individuals. The U.S. was actually the top country that felt most of the pain and the education sector within the U.S. was the top sector on that. So that's how the summer started for us. And then we began to see these cyber casino heists. And I don't know what it is, whether it's criminals or Hollywood, there's something intriguing about knocking off a casino. It's no different in cyberspace. So people have targeted casinos. And we saw that in the news, right, with those bigger brands. But there's certainly been a number of other smaller casinos that are, you know, off the radar from a public perspective that have been dealing with ransomware attacks and extortion. And we're seeing that with casinos, not just in the U.S., but outside the U.S. And really the playbook's the same, right? I mean, the bad guys get access. They seem to be well-prepared in terms of the ransom demand they're going to ask for. So they're really thinking about the target, trying to gather as much information as they can so that the ransom demand is high enough, but also in their mind, payable. The information they gather, if it's a publicly traded company, obviously in the U.S., you can find their balance sheet. You know, it's public record and you can see what their cash position is. And if not, you can typically find, if you're the bad guy, maybe the insurance policy somewhere on the internal network that lays out the coverage limits. So you can see what they're doing, right? In the casino capers, right? They're targeting these organizations that they perceive to have a lot of cash. They're doing their research and their homework to determine what the ransom demand is going to be. And in some cases, the casinos pay and sometimes they don't. And the decision theory around all that is unique to any given company. Well, Shane, one thing I did want to mention is I feel like when we talk about ransomware incidents and why these adversaries are targeting certain companies, it's usually just follow the money. Is that the same case here? Obviously, when you think of a casino, you think of a lot of money going in and then coming out as well. Is that, you think, the primary motivation here or is there something more? I think that's it. I think there's a perception amongst the bad guys that casinos have a lot of cash on hand and they won't get a lot of resistance on their ransom demand or little resistance. So it feels like a quick and large way to make money if you're a cyber criminal. So Shane, has Kivu been personally taking on, and you don't have to name names here, obviously, we're not here to do that, but 
Have you been taking on more cases in the gambling industry? If you have any examples you could share, again, without ousting any people you've been working with, but I'm just curious. We have. We've had a number of traditional casino clients. Sometimes casinos are part of a broader portfolio of companies in the hospitality and leisure sector. So there's always concern that if one portfolio company was attacked, what's going to happen to the other portcos? We see a lot of due diligence going on around that. But we've also seen these attacks go beyond just a traditional casino. So we're seeing gaming software companies get hit with cyber extortion and ransomware from traditional gaming software that you might use on your computer or your mobile devices to gaming software that supports financial technology. It's evolving. I think the bad guys are just becoming so much more corporate in their cyber extortion and their organization behind it and their preparation behind it seems to continue to elevate. You know, Cybersecurity Ventures profiled 42 ransomware groups in our latest Who's Who in Ransomware Report. I mean, that's not a small number, and that's just what we profiled. I'm certain that there are more out there. What does that mean for companies who are trying to protect themselves? Because how are you supposed to when you have all these other, as you kind of said, company structures in a way that are the cyber criminals coming after you all the time? You have these huge organizations on the other side. It's tough, and it's not going to change. And you guys published some really amazing predictive statistics around cybercrime trends and damages and costs. And I believe all those to be accurate. And maybe they're even conservative because the trend line is going to continue to stay vertical. The only thing that's going to change is the velocity and it's just going to continue to get accelerated. I know in the first half of 2022, we responded to hundreds and hundreds of cases that involved extortion. When I look back at the ransomware strains, we saw 20 different strains of ransomware. And going from memory here, but the top ones that we saw were Royal, Lockbit, Clop, and Black Basta. There's a bucket of just like others, right? Every other strain under the bucket you can think of where we're out there that we've seen. That's not going to change. I mean, you see month over month some tactic changes around how they're getting in or the types of ransom demands that they're asking for and whether or not they're bricking systems or stealing data and encrypting it or just stealing the data and threatening to release it. So you see some tactical changes, you know, month over month, but it's not going away. I think cyber extortion's here to stay for a long time. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. By the end of this commercial, multiple organizations across the world will be hacked by cyber criminals. Arm yourself with Kivu's cast of cyber crusaders and advanced cyber weapons. Reduce today's cyber risk with our full suite of cybersecurity services. From strategic guidance to fully managed 24 by 7 cybersecurity threat monitoring and hunting. And rest assured, Kivu's 24-7 incident response team based in the U.S. and U.K. moves fast to contain threats, reduce damage, and restore business operations. Since 2009, Kivu fights cybercrime and protects humanity. Go to kivuconsulting.com to learn more. That's K-I-V-U consulting.com. And now back to the podcast. I do want to talk a bit about how these attackers are getting in because we talk a lot about phishing, social engineering, business email compromise. These are some major issues out there. And that is an attack vector for these ransomware groups. But when you guys have been working with companies and Kivu, you guys have been consulting. What are you saying to the companies specifically? Are you saying to bolster up your cybersecurity knowledge? Are you saying to add some additional tools and systems? Is it a bit of both? Yeah, it's a combination. I mean, do something to improve anti-phishing, you know, in your email platform, whether it's configuration, whether it's bolt-on email security technology, that will help, 
right? But the big thing around vulnerabilities, and this <laughs> cybersecurity has been saying this for a long, long time, many years, but understanding your assets, understanding what vulnerabilities exist on them, you know, risk ranking those and methodically going through and remediating those is still something that's very relevant today. You know, those are the two main methods the bad guys are exploiting to gain access. You know, we did start this conversation talking about the summer of casino cyber heists, as you brought up. And I think we would be remiss if we didn't also bring up other vulnerable industries like education, healthcare, we have finance as well. Do you have any broader advice for other sectors? Because it's not just limited to these companies, the gambling industry. It is broader. I know that's been a spike, as you brought up in this podcast and as we've seen in the news. But I'm curious if you have any thoughts for other industries out there, if there are different ways that they can protect themselves. You know, there are some nuances based on the industry because certain industries have certain technologies that other industries don't. Whether you're a manufacturing organization with a lot of OT or, you know, a retail and consumer industry with some point of sale systems. So there are some nuances that you have to consider when cybersecurity controls are being thought of at a strategic level. For me, you know, having been in this game for a long time, for executives, it's really about strategy first and technologies later. I think a lot of organizations and a lot of industries that are immature from a cybersecurity perspective tend to go about it from a tech-first approach without a strategy. And many, many years later, what ends up happening is that approach creates a realization that we spent a lot of money, maybe we didn't have to. Really slowing down first with strategy can help speed up the reduction of cyber risk over time. But if you look at the statistics that we've had in our work, specific to ransomware in the first half of 2023, the most impacted industries were industries that are typically considered to be very mature from a cybersecurity perspective, and that's financial services, tech, and professional services. We certainly have seen a ton of victims in the, as you mentioned, healthcare and education space, also retail consumer, but manufacturing has been the biggest slice of the victim pie that we've seen increase in 2023. Well, I'm going to ask you to make some predictions. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit because I'm trying to think of... Again, we're talking about the summer. What about going forward into the fall, into the winter? What about into next year, into 2024? Is there something you're seeing that we should keep an eye on? Well, what we're seeing and what appears to be more use of artificial intelligence, especially on the fishing side, it seems to be at a pace now that I've never seen in my career. And the content of the phishing emails that are coming in are much more legitimate looking and sounding. In the past, if you really read a phishing email from the first word to the last, you could detect some language barrier challenges if you're really paying attention. We're starting to see that go away with AI, right? Phishing is targeted towards an organization in the U.S. The content of that email is going to look like very well-written American English. That, to me, is scary. And unfortunately, it's going to cause more people to click on links and open attachments because it does look more legitimate. I think that's the biggest trend that we're starting to see the front edge of that's going to continue into 2024. Shane, something we've been talking about here in the office is, I hear you on that, AI, it makes it a lot more difficult to detect a phishing email, especially over text, but there is an increase in vishing using AI because people can clone someone's voice. It could be the voice of a CEO or maybe some third party they engage with, someone who they talk over the phone with. Do you think that'll become a bigger threat over time or 
Do you think we'll eventually have some tools to combat that a bit more effectively? I don't know when we'll have tools to combat that. That is really scary. I mean, there's already more BECs and we could probably keep track of, but vishing is going to ramp up the BEC attacks, right? And the financial frauds that come from that. Because, you know, if you're an employee of a company that has the ability to wire money and the CEO just did a video call with you or a voice call, what are you going to do, right? It looks so legitimate sometimes. It's going to cause people to take action more often than we're seeing today. Yeah, it can certainly be a bit scary, especially if you had a family member call you up and it's an AI scammer and you don't know it and they're saying something's happening, something urgent. It triggers you into, hey, I want to help. Obviously, they're my family or my friend or something. And you might not always have as clear of a head as you are able to potentially over email as well. Yeah, we could expect to see that kind of AI-based fraud increase here in the next several months, given the chaos that's going on across the globe. I could see that ramping up and having you know, really unfortunate impacts on people's personal lives. Well, Shane, AI is a red hot topic, so I'm sure we'll bring it up as we continue to have conversations together. But before we go, is there any final thoughts you want to share? It could be about AI, it could be about ransomware, it could be about, again, what we're seeing into next year or any final thoughts that you have. Well, thanks for asking. I think I've shared the big prediction we have around AI and a couple different flavors. At the end of the day, we talk about the corporate victims, the government agencies, both public and private sector, right? It's always about the organizations that are compromised. And I think a lot of times we forget that these attacks have a ripple effect out to humanity. And it's really up to us as individuals. I mean, just this week, I received a notification from a healthcare company that once again, my PII and PHI have been breached. And it really just hammered home for me that on an individual level, we have to be more diligent. We really have to slow down Anything we're doing in a digital world, for some reason, we want to go fast. But if we can just slow down a little bit, I think we'll prevent a lot more problems in our personal lives here as these cybercrime events continue to increase. Yeah. I appreciate that point you're bringing up where it does bleed into, it's not just the professional life, it really is the personal as well. It's every aspect, especially if you're a bigger target. Exactly. Shane, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your thoughts. My pleasure. For Cybercrime Radio, I'm Paul John Spaulding, GM of production at Cybercrime Magazine. Joining me today was Shane Sims, CEO of Kivu, which offers strategic guidance and fully managed 24 by 7 cybersecurity threat monitoring. Learn more about our sponsor at kivuconsulting.com. And to follow all of our media, go to cybercrimemagazine.com.